Good day, everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. Hey, thanks for listening. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com. But we're also on almost every podcast platform as well as Odyssey and YouTube. So wherever you get your programs, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. For this episode, we greet Sarah Price Anderson, the board president, and Lindsay Flory, the programming director of the Osage County Historical Society and Hawley Genealogical Research Center in Linden, Kansas. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Okay, now if you're a resident in the local area of Osage County, Kansas, or if you're a member of the Osage County Historical Society already, then this episode will help you understand what the society has to offer, how you can participate and take advantage of the worthwhile events the society sponsors, and how to best support them by volunteering and donating. We trust that people want to have a better understanding of these organizations, We make listeners aware of how the organization is supported, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, and what services they offer to the public and their members. We believe this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these societies. Remember that your donations are tax-deductible. Each guest organization on Preservation Oaks brings with them a truly unique perspective around how they tell the story of their communities, how they continue to be relevant for the times in which we live, and what kinds of exhibits and volunteer opportunities they've created. This makes listening to each episode of the program interesting, fun, and diverse. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical December events for this episode. Happy birthday to cotton gin inventor Eli Whitney, who lived from 1765 to 1825. He was born in Westboro, Massachusetts. His invention used comb-like teeth to remove seeds from harvested cotton and had a tremendous impact on the economy of the South. By 1800, cotton production increased from about 3,000 bales a year to 73,000. 
He also developed the concept of mass production of interchangeable parts and the assembly line. On December 10, 1948, the General Assembly of the United Nations adopted and proclaimed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. On December 14, 1799, George Washington died at Mount Vernon. On December 14, 1962, the Mariner 2 space probe sent back information from the planet Venus, the first information ever received from another planet. On December 15, 1964, Canada adopted a new national flag featuring a red maple leaf on a white background. On December 15, 1995, European Union leaders announced their new currency would be known as the Euro. And finally, on December 21, 1846, anesthesia was used for the first time in Britain during an operation at the University College Hospital in London. It was performed by Robert Liston, who amputated the leg of a servant. Couple of jokes. A man walks into a library and orders a hamburger. The librarian says, this is a library. The man apologizes and whispers, I'd like a hamburger, please. A grasshopper sits down at a bar. The bartender says, hey, we have a drink named after you. The grasshopper says, who would name a drink Steve? Let's drink some tea, Twining's tea, love it. All right, now you can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Preservation Oaks is available for listeners on nearly all podcast platforms, as well as Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we'll be meeting with Kiowa County Historical Museum and Soda Fountain, located in Greensburg, Kansas. They have a wonderful museum. Nice, shiny, new museum with a number of great things to see. They're a historical museum educating the public about the rich history of Kiowa County through artifacts, displays, and programs. They have a working soda fountain in the museum which serves as the living history exhibit. That's going to be a fun and interesting episode and I can't wait. Here's a brief biography of today's guests. Sarah Price Anderson has been a resident of Osage County, Kansas since she was five years old and is now raising her own family there. She holds a degree in history from Emporia State University and graduate training in museum studies from Wichita State University and now serves as the president of the Osage County Historical Society Board of Directors. Sarah's favorite part about the job is meeting and collaborating with people all over the country that share a passion for the preservation of Osage County stories and material culture. Now, Lindsay Flory is the programming director at the Osage County Historical Society. She has a master's degree focusing on public history and is currently working on her Ph.D. from North Dakota State University. Her dissertation, Homegrown History, explores how everyday people create and use history today. As programming director, she enjoys exploring and sharing the past to help people build community connections here in the present. All right. Welcome to the program, Sarah and Lindsay. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Can you help us understand the history of Osage County, Kansas? Well, Osage County was originally organized as Weller County in 1855. It was originally named for Congressman John B. Weller of Ohio, who would later go on to be the governor of California. And in 1859, it was renamed to Osage County after the Osage River that flows through our area. When the county was originally founded with our first town being Burlingame. Our beginnings really are a settlement that was an outpost for 
abolitionism and support of Kansas being a free state. We have stories and records about how men from our area were always getting on their horses and going to Lawrence to help out with whatever skirmish or meeting or, you know, what was ever going on in Lawrence regarding abolitionism. When you get a little further into the settlement and you have the discovery of coal in our county, that's when you really see a lot more towns being put together very quickly. For example, the towns of Linden and Carbondale and Scranton, we all had our 150th anniversaries very close to each other in the last few years. So the town really did explode with the discovery of coal. We also had a great deal of the, of the Santa Fe Trail come through our area, about 20 miles of it. There's still ridges you can see outside Burlingame and a number of other places in the county. And that brought additional settlers here as well. But really, I would say the biggest boon to the settlement of the county was the coal industry and the miners that came from all over the world to work here. At one point, we do have documented 22 different ethnicities or nationalities were present in the county working in the mines. Wow, a lot of diversity. Absolutely. Now, guys, you have a number of sites in the county listed on the National and State Historical Registers. Does the society care for any of those? Do, do you offer tours of those or otherwise care for any of those sites? We are not directly responsible for any of those sites, but we do work with them in certain ways, particularly ones like the Bailey House, where we have a really strong working relationship. Some of the members of our board really do care for Bailey House and are on that board as well. As programming director, I'm able to bring groups over to tour that space. We've also established really strong working relationships with Arvonia down south, which is basically a community, a Welsh community. Sarah was discussing the different ethnicities down in the southern part of our county. We had some Welsh folks who were miners as well as farmers. And so we've been able to go there and really benefit each other through these different partnerships. Do you go and offer tours of those or? Always in conjunction with the host organization. We're not usurping, but we are definitely there to help. Oh, fantastic. What are the Flint Hills anyway? Oh, the Flint Hills are gorgeous. They're my favorite part of Kansas. If you can imagine a big fluffy comforter and it's ready to go on a bed. And so you take it and you open it up and then you just like throw it out on the bed and it kind of ends up not quite perfect and kind of wrinkly and wavy. Yeah. That's the Flint Hills. They're beautiful. They're not mountains, but they're not flat. They swell and dip in gorgeous ways. And some of the best sunsets you'll ever see happen in the Flint Hills. It's not great farming land. It's quite rocky, but it's really good cattle country. It used to be covered in water. We do know that. Ah, okay. What's the history of your town, Linden, Kansas? Well, the history of Linden is a little bit controversial in the county. We like to say that some people aren't over it yet. (laughs) (laughs) You're, You're familiar with county seat wars that happened all over the country. Yeah. So we had one in Linden as well. Back in the in the beginnings of our county, when it was really thriving, Burlingame was the county seat. They were the county seat because they had a thriving coal and railroad industry. Mm-hmm. They were a large town. They had a large population that was very involved in town and local government. But the problem is there's not a lot of revenue that towns can make 
if you aren't the county seat. That's where all of the county money is going to go. And if you're the county seat, that is really something special because that means your town is going to thrive and grow because that's where the funds are going. That's where people have to come for all the records, marriage licenses, all of that legal stuff. Yeah, very true. So naturally, with Burlingame thriving and doing so well, other areas of the county said, okay, well, why aren't we the county seat? And the race was on to basically take it away from Burlingame and move it somewhere else. The PC theory was the county had been restructured and Burlingame used to be in the middle when it was Weller County. Well, now we're Osage County and Burlingame is not in the middle anymore. Mm. So we need to create a more central town in Osage County so that the farmers don't have to go as far or people don't have to go as far to do their business at the county courthouse at the county seat. That was the spin version that was out there. Yeah, People were just looking at how much money was funneling into Burlingame and thinking, hey, we need to get a piece of that. So a group of people that were living in different parts of the southern part of the county got a hold of this guy named Judge Bailey, who was a very successful town builder from Vermont. He had successfully put together different towns and different organizations prior, and they brought him down here for the specific purpose of building a town to bring the county seat more central in the county and take it away from Burlingame. You mean it at that um, point, Linden didn't really exist? It did not. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Linden was created specifically to try and bring the county seat more central and take it away from Burlingame. Wow. And before they actually came up with Linden, they had tried other things. They had started a town that they called Popcorn, which was essentially two guys in the middle of the woods in a tent, (laughs) calling themselves a town. Because at that time, the law was very loose as to what was considered a town. Basically, if you had some kind of a structure and you called it a post office, you're technically a town. Oh, boy. So they, they tried several different things to get on a ballot and try to get people to vote the county seat away before they came up with developing Linden. Once they came up with the, the Linden area and they got Judge Bailey involved, they were able to get on the ballot. And this is something that was voted on over and over and over again. Oh, wow. And sometimes Linden won and sometimes Burlingame won. A couple of times, Osage City won. But for some reason, these votes were able to be thrown out or considered invalid. Or, you know, there's a there's a problem with cheating. At one point, there was a vote that came through. And I think it was three or four times the number of people living in the county had voted for Linden. So obviously, somebody was doing something sketchy somewhere. <laughs> anyway, after multiple votes... And a couple of incidents where people were literally jumping into wagons and going to the other town to take the records by force and bring them back. The case went all the way to the Kansas Supreme Court, who ruled in Lyndon's favor and determined that we would be the county seat. And we have been ever since. My goodness. Wow. wow. It, it really did get pretty crazy for a while there. And, you know, nobody nobody is outwardly angry about it anymore. Right. But you can tell that 
you know, there's a little hint of that animosity that still exists among, you know, at least the historians of the area where the feeling is that Lyndon stole it and it was all shady and they have had done this big disservice to Burlingame. Mm-hmm. When the truth is, we honestly aren't ever going to know because if you look at the newspapers of the time and the records of the time, you're going to get completely different stories depending on what town you're reading from. Right. Yep. What years was this going on? It was 1869 to about 1875, correct, sir? Around that time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really was a big deal to be the county seat. It, it was basically a guarantee that your town was going to survive and thrive. So Linden was created in what year? By order of the court, I guess. <laughs> Okay, so Lyndon's official established date is March of 1870. Wow. Technically, that's when four farmers in the area each contributed about 40 acres apiece towards the establishment of a town. If you, if you ask us, we technically say 1869 is our official founding date because that's when they came up with the plan. Okay, yeah. Now, when Lyndon was created... Did they move the railroad to go through Linden? No, they did not. Okay. Really, it was all about location. It was because they had restructured the boundaries when they changed Weller to Osage County. Yeah. And Burlingame wasn't in the center anymore. Right. That was the whole argument. Burling, the railroad was in Burlingame because they really had a thriving coal industry in Burlingame. So the railroad needed to be close to that. Wow. How long did that coal last? Or is it still a, an industry in the county? We don't have coal and we don't have the railroad any longer. Okay. Technically, yeah. there is still coal, but it is not worth getting out. We haven't had working coal mines. I think the last one ended in the 40s, 1940s. Okay. The coal is just yeah. not good for the environment at the level that, it, that it's at to get out. And then on top of that, it's not economically feasible for the the money that you would get selling the coal is not worth the price of digging it out of the ground anymore. Right. And as soon as the coal was gone, what did you have? Cattle? Uh, we had farms, especially down in the south part of the county. We had some good farmland. A lot of that is now lake land. Right. It was farming and then it was the coal mines. That's what we had. Very cool. Really, the story centers around Judge Bailey because he was living in Burlingame at the time that it happened. And he was a very charismatic, likable guy. If you read the newspaper accounts from Burlingame, these people really accepted him, invited him into their homes, really liked this guy and thought he was going to do great things for their town. And then he turned around and created Linden, and they saw that as a huge betrayal. Oh, yeah. That is an amazing history. So they built the county courthouse. All of that had to happen right after Linden was created. Well, they, they built a structure for the courthouse. It wasn't a, a great one. The funny thing about that is if you read the Burlingame-centric papers from that time, they have drawings of what they perceived the Linden Courthouse to look like, and it basically looks like a, a ransacked chicken coop. <laughs> um, and so there was a lot of making fun of the, the structure that Linden was calling a courthouse among the rest of the county. But eventually they did build the structure that's there now. I can add a little to that. I was helping our archivist do some research on that a while back. So by the 1880s, you know, it's still recent enough 
that they couldn't get enough votes in the county, largely, I, I would interpret it largely because of Burlingame still being pretty sore, to get a bond to build an official courthouse. So a private company built the courthouse and then the county rented it, which I think is pretty funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then finally, in the early 20s, it had been long enough that the county did get a bond issue approved and they built a new official courthouse. And that's what we have today. That's what I was going to ask. So the old one, did they tear it down or is it still there? They tore it down. The new one is on the same block as the old one. Not quite the exact same location, but the same the same city block. Wow. That's cool. Wow. So many parallels to the stuff that's going on today. Name calling, all this stuff. Amazing. So what's the history of the Osage County Historical Society and the Holly Genealogical Research Center? So the first Osage County Historical Society was formed in Burlingame, Kansas in 1887. It was disbanded after two years, and all of the artifacts that they had collected ended up being donated to the Kansas State Historical Society up in Topeka. But our present historical society was chartered on April 20 of 1965. The group met in different locations and they displayed artifacts in public buildings with traveling display cases, which is something that we're still doing today. As the society grew and more artifacts were obtained through the 60s and 70s, the Osage County commissioners offered us the use of an old jail building in Linden in 1973. And the jail building is just right next to the courthouse. It looks basically like a little mini courthouse out of the same stone uh, right next to it. If you took a tiny one-bedroom apartment and put another tiny one-bedroom apartment on top of it, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> they offered the use of that in 1973, and they used that until 1984 when they purchased our current building. Before they moved into it, it was a store and just had several lives um, before we took over. At the time that we moved into our current building in 1984, the county commissioners declared that we were the official Osage County Archives. Oh, nice. And, and started funding us partially as the Osage County Official Archive. Very cool. And do you have the history of your building that you're in from 1984 back? They've done a lot of history on the building because we are currently working on getting it put on the historical registry. Yeah, it's a nice building. So there's there's a lot of research that's been done on that. So when the original Historical Society closed and was open only from 1887 to 1890, in 1890, all of the artifacts that they had collected went to the Kansas Historical Society in Topeka. Okay. So we, we joke and say that the Kansas Historical Society in Topeka has all our good stuff. Well, that's what um, I was going to ask. Are they returning that to you in any way? No. And we, we really don't have a record, a complete record of everything that was given to them at the time. It was 1890. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how hard we would get laughed out of the Historical Society if we showed up and said, we want everything from 1890 back. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there would be a call to security. <laughs> so yeah that makes sense <laughs> so really we've been going strong since 1965 that's uh that's fantastic history and you bet you moved into your building the building now what year 1984 wow 
That's great. Yeah, it's a lovely building. It really is. So what's the history of the Holly Genealogical Research Center? Who was Margaret Holly? So Margaret Holly was the president of the Historical Society two presidents ago, before myself and Eileen Matzik-Davis. She had ancestors from Osage County, and she was living here in Osage County when she became the president of the society in the early 90s. She had been involved in the society for a few years before that and had been on the board before she took on the role of president. The research center is named after her as an honor given to her by Eileen Davis, who came after her, because she is the one that really brought the society into the computer age. In the mid-90s, she recognized the value of computers in genealogical research and how they could be used to create and store online resources. She really pushed for their use with the society so that we could expand not only the number of people we were helping, but in new ways. She also reorganized the museum at that time to make it more interesting for guests. Before she took over, it, the museum had been sorted by town, and there were exhibits that were pertaining to each town. Mm. But she really made it more general interest and brought out some more interesting artifacts and really wanted to make it a more overall interesting experience. Oh, that's great. Sarah and Lindsay, can you provide the audience with an overview of the communities you serve, the variety of your membership and the mission and objectives of your society? Absolutely. We have several different communities in our county. We have Burlingame, Carbondale, Linden, Melbourne, Osage City, Overbrook, Guatemo, Scranton, Vassar, and all of that. I personally count Arvonia, even though it's technically not a town anymore, just because there is a large group of people that care very much about it, and we have the amazing Arvonia Schoolhouse there, so I still count them. We have about 120 members right now. We have a lot of people that are here in the county, but we have people all over the country. We have members Connecticut to California. Really, our, our mission and our objective in our society is preservation of Osage County history and its material culture and its stories. We are, I feel, pretty unique here because we are thriving and we are growing as a society in a time when so many organizations like us are ceasing to exist. We have so many people in our area, whether they're members or not, that care about the history of Osage County and work very hard to not only preserve it, but to collaborate, to bring that history to the people of the county and just serve as that constant reminder that our history is important. And we're very grateful for all of the historical societies and groups in these towns that we serve, because the wonderful thing about Osage County is we are not just the Osage County Historical Society only game in town kind of thing. We have so many wonderful partners in this county between the large history groups in Burlingame. The Schuyler Museum is amazing. There's a, a wonderful historical society in Overbrook that is actually in the process of raising funds to build their own museum there in Overbrook that we 100% support. We will support their mission. There's a great group out of, in Arvonia. There's a, a group in Vassar with the Vassar Schoolhouse that preserves and makes use of that schoolhouse. So there really is a piece of living history out there. 
And so altogether, the history of this this county is so very cherished and supported. And we're just very grateful to have all of these different groups as part of the overall care and preservation of the history in this county. I know when we talked before, you said, hey, this is bigger than Osage County and just our organization that you function as a collaborative or a cluster. That's We fantastic. do. And, and even when it comes to assisting researchers that come looking for family history in Osage County, if we don't have it, we usually know someone in the county who does and vice versa. For example, there's a lot of records and artifacts that are stored at the Burlingame Schuyler Museum. And it's not uncommon for us to send researchers there or for them to send a researcher to us. You know, if we don't have something or know something for sure, it's a really good bet that one of the groups in this network does have that information. You know, of course, depending on what that information is, there's some spirited conversations that can happen when all these history buffs get together to compare notes. (laughs) But the beautiful thing is that we have these history buffs and they want to have that conversation. And it's just wonderful. That is wonderful. You mentioned a term that I'm not sure everyone in the audience um, can identify with. You mentioned part of your mission is to preserve the material culture of the county. What is material culture? Material culture just means the stuff that we leave behind. You know, grandma's teapot, grandpa's radio, objects of times gone by. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's coming up on the horizon for your society? Where where are you headed next? What are your plans? Really, in the last 18 months to, to two years, we have had a, a resurgence in our involvement around the county and the programs that we've been able to do since Lindsay came on board, as well as our increased interaction through social media and through different programs we've been able to do. So... We're working to make sure that that continues and we still have that active involvement with our audience. And we're also working toward building a bigger pool of volunteers so that we can make that presence even bigger and be even more of a support to the different historical groups around the county. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, Lindsay, you came on board and you're the programming director. What's your background? I am the programming director. I've been here a little over a year. It was a year in October. I have a background in social sciences and history and public history, which basically the the short way of putting that is history outside the classroom. Not everybody likes that definition, but I do. It's quick and easy. It's history outside of a classroom. And I've come to realize that I'm good at that and I enjoy it very much. It's lots of fun. So I've been the curator up at a museum in North Dakota for a while. I've been working on my PhD from North Dakota State University under an excellent guy named Tommy Eastern. And I've been down here. I worked with the Johnson County Museum, which is more of a suburban area in our state that I created a trunks program. It was actually an award-winning traveling trunks program. We did that during COVID because children couldn't come on field trips anymore. So by creating a couple of different trunks, we could give them not quite the same thing, but some of the touch and feel aspects of a field trip that their teacher could take to their classroom so that they could interact safely with history. Wow, that's cool. So then I 
got the opportunity to come on board here and decided I loved it. I, I grew up rural. I love this tiny little no stoplight in the entire county feel that we've got going on here. And I've really been able to, I hope, make a difference down here. That's a, that's a great history, Lindsay. Thank you. Sarah, what's your history? What's your background? Well, I have lived in Osage County since I was five. We moved here when my dad got a job in Osage City. And then shortly after that, we moved to Linden. I have a degree from Emporia State in history. I have graduate work that I've done at Wichita State in public history. And then I started my own family and decided to move back to Linden so that my kids could grow up in a tiny town and been here ever since. I've been involved with the Historical Society for a couple of years. I have been the president for about a minute and a half. <laughs> um, so I'm still getting my, my feet under me in that role. But I'm very excited for what we are and what we can be. Yeah, you guys are doing so much in the county. And, and all of it is very positive, thanks to your leadership. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Sarah. Can you guys tell us a couple of funny or interesting stories from your society's history? Well, the, the two that people always bring up to me, one is back in the, I want to say the, the early 2000s, we were contacted by a paranormal society in Overland Park that was convinced that our building was haunted. Oh, my and they wanted to come in and stay overnight and do the full ghost hunting experience in our museum. And we declined because they weren't able to tell us, you know, one, who they thought was haunting it. And two, um, our president at the time wasn't really interested in sticking around the museum and staying up all night to make sure that ghost hunters weren't damaging our artifacts. Yeah. But they were, they were pretty convinced we were haunted. We've never had any experiences in the building. Thank goodness. But we all um, think it's fairly funny that they were so convinced by it. Another funny story is kind of ongoing. And really, I think that it, it will just be one of those debates that happen until the end of time. And as Lindsay said in our, our previous meeting, it's one of those stories where sometimes museum curators collect things and you wonder why. Um, and sometimes you should say no to things, even if someone is very kindly offering them to you. Um, we have in our museum, how many pens and pencils do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. Hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> of, it, it's pens and pencils that were handed out by businesses that have business names on them. Right. And some, some, of, of, them are, some of them are Osage County businesses. <laughs> A lot of them are not, but they have been lovingly, individually placed in rows, in cases, and then put up all over the museum. And our board of directors is torn between those who like the pens and think they're valuable and want them to stay, and people who violently hate the pens and want to just go rip them off the walls and throw them away right now. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about things that are being discussed at an official Osage County Historical Society board meeting, you know, you, you would give us the benefit of the doubt and think that we're 
discussing something monumentally important about the, the history of the county, when really an inordinate amount of time has been spent on, can we just get rid of these pens? Right. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Well, they're not teaching kids how to how to write cursive anymore, are they, in the schools? Um, off and on. My son has come home with a couple of assignments for cursive. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's just kind of a running joke amongst the board members <laughs> about what do we do with the pens. <laughs> to explain a bit further, just so you get the scope of it, we have row after row of shadow boxes of pins mounted by this collector very carefully. And again, there are some that are from Osage County businesses, but there are many, many pins that are random pins that he probably picked up on a travel somewhere at a hotel desk or some other function and just put in a shadow box and painted it and mounted it. It's just, wow. It's a thing. Well, God bless him, whoever he was. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with the pen problem, though. <laughs> How much space is that taking up? More than I want it to. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame you there. Yeah, one or two would be okay, but yeah. If you've got thousands of pens, oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry to interrupt Sarah and Lindsay, but it's time for a break for a few minutes. We'll pause here and pick up where we left off when we return. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these words. Remember that feeling of wonder when you learn something fascinating about the past for the very first time? The Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center is bringing the past back to life. Their goal is to celebrate the rich history and culture of Osage County, Kansas. Be a part of the action by volunteering and supporting the Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center. Visit their website at osagechs.org and learn more about this valuable local nonprofit organization. Visit them at 631 Topeka Avenue in Linden, Kansas. Be sure to donate, join, and become a member today. It's time for Preservation Oaks Book Shorts. Book Shorts is a segment of the program where we quickly introduce listeners to authors and books which satisfy your love of history and genealogy, help you with your own research, and finally help you improve the depth and wisdom of your unique family story. On this installment of Book Shorts, we're very pleased to be joined by author Joy Neal Kidney to provide listeners with an overview of her books. Joy's books fall into the category of nonfiction books that provide insights into ancestors' lives and the places they lived. I especially like history books that allow the reader to step back in time, which these books clearly do. These books can add depth to understanding and telling your own family history. Joy Neal Kidney is an Iowa author who grew up on an Iowa farm. With God's help, Joy is aging gratefully. Living with fibromyalgia for two dozen years has given her plenty of homebound days to write blog posts and books. Listeners, I want you to know that this isn't just any nonfiction teller of stories. Joy was recognized and presented with the 2021 Great American Storyteller Award. 
quote, honoring the woman who most beautifully tells the story of America to Americans, unquote. This award was given by our American Stories Organization and WHO News Radio 1040. You can visit Joy's website at joynealkidney.com. Joy has three books, the first being Leora's Letters, the story of love and loss for an Iowa family during World War II. There were five brothers that went to World War II, only two came home. Leora's Letters, the story of love and loss for an Iowa family during World War II, tells the story of the five Wilson brothers who are featured on the Dallas County Freedom Rock at Minburn, Iowa. Leora was their mother, and it was Joy's grandmother. The second book is Leora's Dexter Stories, The Scarcity Years of the Great Depression. The undertow of the Great Depression becomes poignantly personal as we experience the travails of Leora and Clabe Wilson, a displaced Iowa farm family. Gritty determination fuels this family's journey of loss and hope, a reflection of what many American families endured during those challenging times. In this true story, the Wilsons slowly slide into unemployment and poverty. Leora must find ways to keep her dreams alive while making a haven for her flock of seven children in one rundown house after another. The third book, which Joy is currently working on, is called Leora's Early Years, Guthrie County Roots. It's the third book in the Leora Stories series, and it's scheduled to be released this year, sometime in the late summer. Okay, Joy, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'd like to say how awesome your books are. The cool thing about these books is they tell a story about the past that anybody researching family history and having ancestors who lived during the World War II years can immediately benefit from. These books can enhance their understanding of the times and the lives of their ancestors, and that information can really assist them in telling their own family stories and might actually lead them to explore new threads of research. Can you give listeners an overview of your books? Well, that World War II book, it had to be told because of the losses of the three brothers. But what it has done when people read it is they start telling me stories of their World War II relatives. You know, I just wanted to write a book. I didn't realize the connections they were going to make. The second one is called Leora's Dexter Stories, The Scarcity Years of the Great Depression. I'm just amazed at how many. I gave a talk last week and people told their Great Depression stories. I was amazed. I do research in what's out there. So many of the Depression stories have to do with the Okies and the going to California, or they are farm families. My dad was a farm family during that time. I never heard him talk about being worried about what to eat. And my Depression era story even talks about when they had possum for supper. And at first, my mother said, oh, don't tell them that. And I said, Mom, your family did what they had to do to survive. They had the seven children. The new book, The Early Years, actually goes into when Leora was born, 1890. I discovered that her grandparents were some of the very first settlers in Guthrie County, Iowa at the time. I was not an old state. I think we became a state in 1846. And these ancestors came into that section of Iowa as early as 1854. So the beginning of it sketches early Iowa, early Guthrie County, and just what it was like to grow up during those years. 
Eventually, I'll probably do the rest of them. The next one is actually going to be the research I did to find out what happened to those three brothers during World War II. Where can people get a copy of your book? What's the best? Well, they are self-published through Amazon on KDP. But if you would like an autographed copy, we have an indie bookstore here in Des Moines called Beaverdale Books. The phone number is 515-279-5400, and they will ship them. So that's a nice connection to be able to also benefit an indie bookstore. Joe, I'd like to thank you for your time today and for your great books, for your great stories. Listeners, pick up a copy of these excellent books. They have real-life, true information that can help you shape your family history. So thank you, Joy, for being a guest on Book Shorts. And thank you, Sean, for inviting me. Good luck with your new book coming out later this summer entitled Leora's Early Years, Guthrie County Roots. You come back anytime, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Sarah Price Anderson and Lindsay Flory from the Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center located in Linden, Kansas. Welcome back, Sarah and Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. Just to pick up where we left off, in your museum, what kinds of exhibits are on display? We have displays based on topic now rather than on town. And I'm just going to highlight just a few of the many topics on display that I think make us a bit more unusual, a little bit different than your typical county museum. And the first one I want to highlight is the display on county schools. You see, we've had, I believe it's over 150 different schools in our little rural county over the wow. course of history, not all at the same time. And our archivist, Ann Rogers, has files on pretty nearly all of them. We're talking, I believe it's up to 17 different binders full of histories on the schools of Osage County. So she used that information, which she compiled, to create an exhibit, not only with the standard one-room artifacts like pins or lunch pails, although we have that too, but with photos and information highlighting some of the many schools of Osage County. And you can come and flip through and look at so many different people and places and tidbits of the growing up of generations of our citizens. And my favorite part of it is a map that she made showing all of the different locations of these schools all over the county. So you can look at that map and find where your great-grandpa's school was. Another one, because we hold a huge amount of historic records for the county, since we're the Cranny Archive, we have court files on anything and everything. I just had a group of children in yesterday and I told them, if you do something bad in Osage County, you could very well end up in our museum someday. <laughs> Some of our artifacts from this kind of history are items that were used as evidence in old trials. And so we have those displayed and then you can combine the evidence items with the criminal case histories, plus right across the street, 
next block over is the courthouse where that old jail still resides. Right. And so you can tie it together in a way that works very uniquely. I don't know off the top of my head of any other county museum that could do that, that could have the rope that someone in all likelihood created out of blankets from the jail and made into a rope that could get them out of the upstairs of the jail so that they could escape. And then the court case that goes with that. And then the jail just across the way that they allegedly escaped from. It's pretty neat. The last thing that I'll mention, and then I'll let you keep going, is the coal mining exhibit. Because one of our two main industries was coal mining for such a long time, we do have one of our exhibits based on coal mining, and that includes an actual coal cart that they used to use underground in these little four-foot tunnels where they could shovel coal into the cart, and we even have a rail segment on which it would have been hauled to the main shaft and taken out. Wow. So I think that's pretty cool. No, that's really And cool. a lot of people are interested in our coal mining history and they want to see pictures of the insides of the mines and records of who worked for what mine. And one thing that I love to say is that we do have a little bit of that. We do. We have as much as we can get our hands on. But what people think is important changes over time. So in the 20s, 30s, when these mines were closing down, A lot of people didn't think this stuff was important. I mean, how often do you decide pre-cell phone to take a picture of your workplace? Right. Really. So we're limited to what others have decided is worth keeping, which I think is an important lesson for everybody who's thinking of what should they save for the future. Are the coal mines still around? Can you go in them? You're not supposed to. Right. They're not safe. They're mostly underground. Yeah, I know coal mining was a really, really dangerous dirty business with breathing the coal mm-hmm. dust and all of that stuff very, very not to cool. mention the black damp which was their slang version for the poisoning that you receive from not having enough oxygen all right so you've got exhibits on the coal mines exhibits on evidentiary information from court cases and the pens of course <laughs> what other great exhibits do you have on display i really like our kitchen exhibit we have one that's made to look like what would you say, 1930s, 1940s? Uh, oh, I'd go earlier, possibly even the 20s. Earlier, probably in the 20s. It's made to look like a little kitchen. And we've had people come into the museum and remark that that particular area looks like they were walking back into their grandma's house. And it brings up just you know really great memories that they've had about going home. So I really like that one. In the collection, we, we do have around 2,000 physical objects. We are working on getting more things rotated in and out. It just takes time. And during our busy season, we really haven't had time to do that, but we're hopeful in the future we'll be able to do that more. On top of those 2,000 physical objects, we have about 3,500 photographs. Um, We have 450 glass plate negatives. Um, She mentioned the civil court records, the ones Just the ones that we've indexed so far is over 30,000 of them. Wow. Um, We have over 30,000 obituaries that we've indexed, and there are more that we're working on. We have just thousands upon thousands of documents, books, family histories, and other records that we preserve. We have research collections on every single town in the county, and we also have extensive information on the courthouse. 
We have requests for judicial history quite a bit. And we have a traveling exhibit that was just put together on the history of the courthouse and judges in the county that Lindsay and our archivist, Ann Rogers, worked on. So by sheer volume, I really think that we're special when it comes to, you know, if you had to compare us to other societies that are out there, because we get remarks all the time that the sheer volume of information we have stored and have available is significant. I have been to quite a number of museums because of my background in in museum studies and the education I've acquired. And I can tell you that when I came to interview here, I was astonished at the level of detail and organization and sheer number of items in our research room. There are museums that are much larger with a much larger budget than ours that do not have this level of organization and care of their research collection. The people of Osage County should be very proud of what you've got and what they have built there in the county. Do you exhibit your collections anywhere else, like the local airport or the courthouse or various businesses around town? We do in a way. As Sarah mentioned, we have a traveling exhibit, which our archivist and myself put together on civil government in our county. And it's currently at another, it's been at the courthouse, it's been at two different local museums now. I'm guessing it'll probably go to another library before we're done. Excuse me, it's been to two different local libraries. And it'll probably go to a third local library before we're done. And it, as she said, details not necessarily the whole history of the courthouse, but it details the importance of civil government in our county, which I thought was a very fitting theme to cover during an election year. Yeah, very important. I want to give the contact information of your society. You can find them on the mm-hmm. web at osagechs.org. That's O-S-A-G-E-C-H-S dot org. Of course, they're on Facebook. You can visit them at 631 Topeka Avenue, Linden, Kansas, 66451. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 361, Linden, Kansas, 66451. You can phone them at 785-828-3477. They're located just south of the courthouse. You can email them at researchosagechs at embarkmail.com. That's E-M-B-A-R-Q mail.com. And that's for research. General email is osagecohistory at gmail.com. They're open to the public from April 1st through October 31st, Wednesday through Saturday, 1 to 5 p.m., or by appointment. So what kinds of artifacts are the most precious in your collection? For me, the most precious artifacts are always the ones that are connected to stories, things that you can't find anywhere else, because even if maybe you could find another rope. You couldn't find this specific rope that was used in this specific way created by this person in Osage County. Really what I like the most about the museum is when someone is able to come in and relate to an artifact. Maybe it had something to do with their family. Maybe it has a relative's name on it. Or maybe it just reminds them of something from their past and brings that memory back to them. Because the, the true measure of success of our museum is if people are 
bringing those memories to us and bringing those memories to the forefront and being actively involved in their story. One of my favorite things is we have some 4-H trophies. You have to kind of look for them. They're up on one of our higher shelves, but they're just these beautiful trophies from fair days gone by. And we've had several kids come into the museum that are involved in 4-H and are champions themselves and take a look at those trophies and think, oh my gosh, those are so cool. You know, I, hey, this, I want a belt buckle doing the same thing that that kid won a trophy for. <laughs> and they have that connection. Very cool. So it wasn't just a trophy. It wasn't just something that that little boy or that little girl was given because they raised a great pig in the 1960s. It's a connection to a little boy or girl today that's doing the same thing in a slightly different way. And that gets them interested in that trophy and that gets them interested in that time. And that makes them a part of the ongoing history and the ongoing story. And that for me is very rewarding. It's about experiencing the artifacts, having an experience that connects you with something or someone that perhaps you've never even met before and you're connecting through this item. Yeah. Plus they're connected to the community. It's their place. It's their home. That is very cool. I've had a different experience where a lady came in and was able to find her grandmother's name on a quilt. We have a couple of quilts that have names sewn into them. And the the pride that was in that woman's face when she was able to point out her grandmother's name, her grandma's name was in a museum. Nice. That was wonderful to see that someone was not only visiting and enjoying our museum, but they were also taking pride in something that we had preserved. Yeah, those are the kind of moments you just you just can't replace. They're one of a kind. So what kind of funding model supports the society? What are your funding goals? Well, we are partially funded by Osage County uh, because we are the official Osage County archives. So they support us in that way. We have a yearly budget that we get from them and from the, that comes from the taxpayers of Osage County to support us as a county agency. We also have generous private donors that have seen fit to support our society. And then we also do small fundraisers from time to time just to assist to our general operating budget. In the future, we are looking at additional grants. We do apply for grants, as does any society and historical entity out there. But we're looking at additional ones because we will need some repairs on our building in the future. Old buildings have issues. So that's something that we deal with. We've also managed to bring in additional grant money to do special projects on top of just our general operating budget. Lindsay is absolutely wonderful. She was able to bring in a grant for the traveling trunks. She's been able to bring in funds for other programs that she's wanted to do. So we haven't had to bear the cost entirely of those, but we've still been able to do amazing programs. And then she was also instrumental in getting us a grant for a new project that we'll be doing coming up regarding the building of Melbourne Lake. Osage County is the only county in the United States with two federal reservoirs. Yeah. We have Lake Pomona and Lake Melbourne. Lake Melbourne was built in the 70s. So Lindsay was able to obtain a grant to preserve some oral histories regarding the building of Lake Melbourne. Oh, cool as well as documents and photographs and other such memorabilia from that era. Oh, that's very cool. Way to go. Thank you. 
It should also give us money to create a small exhibit that will one day travel around the county. So that's coming up. Oh, that's great. People are going to love that. And you get donations from the public, right? We do. Both monetary and of items that they've donated to the museum. Right. Are you on Amazon Smile at all? Yes, we are. And as the holidays approach, if anybody does not have an Amazon Smile designee, we would love to become yours. Yeah, it's really easy to use. You can just go on AmazonSmile.com, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And sign up and list the Osage County Historical Society as your charity that you, you want to fund. And then every time you buy something, some percentage of that, I don't know what it is, but some percentage gets sent to that institution that you select. It's not much. It's about half of 1%. But as long as you're going through Amazon Smile and it's perhaps a holiday gift or something you are already going to buy, why not send a few pennies our way? Yep. Exactly. We've had a lot of support from individuals in the county, and we're very, very grateful for that. It is something that long-term we're going to have to be looking for some larger grants as we work on the building and we expand our collections. We really try very hard not charge the people we serve a whole lot for what we do. We would prefer to be able to do it for free, but thanks to generous people in the county and help we've gotten from the Osage County taxpayers, we have been able to keep our costs fairly low and we hope to do that in the future as well. Oh, that's great. What types of fundraising activities or opportunities does your society offer? Uh, Well, most recently, we took part in the Scranton uh, 150th celebration activities, and they were kind enough to give us use of their multi-purpose building. And we had a silent auction, and people came and had some cookies and bid on items, and we had a licensed archaeologist come down and give a talk on the Santa Fe Trail. Oh, cool. And we really had a good group there. It was a really fun evening and ended up raising a little bit of money for the society as well. Sounds like a lot of fun. It really was. Are you big into Halloween or you have Christmas fundraising events or any of that? We haven't yet. It's on the list of you know things we want to do in the future. Really, what we've done the most lately for holidays is participate in the different parades that go on around the county and we have a lot of fun doing that oh that's great i can add a bit on that score we don't just do parades we're really involved quite heavily in many different celebrations that celebrate towns around the county for instance the linden fall festival brought in almost 50 people to our museum and that's the town festival that's just us being one of many many things that you could do here in linden on the town festival day another thing we hit over 300 i believe the last count was people in a town of just 700 people last christmas for scranton's holiday celebration oh cool and we're planning on collaborating with them again this year so if you've got family and you're coming to osage county for it then on december 10th we're going to be at the scranton community center well scranton community building the old school doing toys and games of bygone days with the children and also to be honest their parents and grandparents they enjoy old toys every bit as much as the kids do oh yeah you bet (laughs) that's great let's talk about membership for a minute how much are your memberships and are there membership levels 
So membership in a society is $10 per year for individuals. And uh, right now it's $15 for businesses. And we don't have different levels of membership for individuals. It's just $10 per year. That's a steal. That's great. Well, we really want to encourage people to be part of what we're doing and support our society. Really, the the $10 per year pretty much covers the newsletter that we send out, uh, which has um, information about our, our society and what we're doing and what we're planning and what we've accomplished, as well as interesting history about the county. We're, the Hedge Post is put together by our head researcher, Eileen Davis, and she does a wonderful job on that. So your newsletter is called The Hedge Post? The Hedge Post, yes. Filled with stories and photos relating to Osage County history, updates on our activities and events um, taking place around the county, and um, information on uh, what we're doing at the time. In terms of education, with working with school children, outreach events, what, what does the society do within the community? Oh, I get super excited about this. I've been waiting for this. Okay, so we do all kinds of things all over the county with all kinds of people. Cool. And my favorite thing about it all is how collaborative it is. We collaborate with libraries on library program, programming. We worked with Linden over the course last summer to do children's summer reading programs where they got to do all kinds of fun history-based activities. We do school tours and yeah, we do the normal school tour here in the building, but we also collaborate with Arvonia Schoolhouse and with Rapp Schoolhouse and bring kids out to a one-room school so that they can see what school used to be like forever ago, right? Yep. Well, to a five-year-old, it's forever ago if it was 50 years back. I can tell you like when we went to Arvonia, we hit every child in the district around there. Every K through fifth grade child came there for Kansas Day, which is something that happens in January. I was over at the Meredizine School District hitting every K through fifth grade child there. And that was in collaboration with the middle school. There were seventh graders calling me up on the phone, getting me to come. Like they put that together, which I think is pretty impressive for a group of 12 year olds. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we don't just work with children either. We work with adults as well. I've created Intro to Genealogy and Digging Deeper programs, largely because we have such an incredible research center. I want the word to get out about that to our adult population who might be interested in doing research on their property or their family or some random old place in town that they're just curious about. So I do the Intro to Genealogy ones myself. And then for the Digging Deeper programs, I bring in a very experienced genealogist to come in and that one is for people who have already done quite a bit of their own research and they're asking the more esoteric questions about how to really dig in hence digging deeper and she's a huge resource on helping us with that nice so those go out to various libraries in the community uh, sarah's already mentioned that we have speakers occasionally with our fundraising events as well as with our annual meeting and the speaker part of the annual meeting is open to anybody who wants to show up. I'm also really looking forward to hopefully in the fairly near future working with Humanities Kansas on their Speakers Bureau, as well as Humanities Kansas is partnering with us for the new Melvin Lake project that you've already heard a bit about. Yeah, that's nice. Then, of course, there were the 150th celebrations this past summer with Scranton and Carbondale, where we helped them by establishing exhibits in their pop-up museum and doing tons of research that we compiled 
for the 150th to help them learn more about their towns and especially the people who lived in their towns long ago. And that's to say nothing of the grants that we received from very generous funders in our county for our trunks. And those trunks are what enables me to go out to places like libraries and schools and give children hands-on experiences about our agricultural and school heritage. Yeah, that is very cool. Now, I noticed, I noticed that you have like a log cabin at the, at the local park. Do you guys get involved with maintaining that or have education activities there or any of that? Or is that log cabin still there? That log cabin is still there. It is the Bailey House. It is on the National Historic Register. And it is a really good example of how we partner with other organizations. We do not own the Bailey House. The Bailey House is owned by the city of Linden. And it has a preservation board, I suppose one would call it that, a preservation trust that helps run it for the city of Linden. And then that preservation board reaches out to us and they are so welcoming for any kind of school program or educational activity that we might want to do there. Really kind of them. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, you mentioned at one point you have around 3,500 photographs. Are you digitizing those? We are. One of the holdups to getting them completely digitized is just the sheer volume and the amount of time it takes. We are actively looking for additional volunteers that can come in and help us with getting those indexed and cataloged and scanned. Some of them can be scanned with our current equipment. Others are just too old and too fragile. We are going to be getting some additional equipment to get those scanned. But the plan is to eventually have every single one of them in a digital format. Oh, that's great. That is absolutely good. I know you mentioned that you're capturing some oral interviews about the reservoir, one of the federal reservoirs there in your county. Do you also capture oral interviews from elderly people, that kind of thing? We have plans to do a couple of projects with that in the future. It just uh, depends on time and grants that we're able to obtain. One thing that we would really like to do is partner with the Honor Flight Program that's here in the county that's been very successful in getting veterans to Washington, D.C. to see the memorials. Nice. We would like to partner with them and be able to gather oral histories from those veterans. We also would like to kind of you know narrow it down by topic a little bit, but gather oral histories from some of our older residents in the county regarding their time growing up in the area and things that they've seen that have changed. So that's on our horizon. That's going to be so interesting. So we mentioned volunteers a couple of times and how many volunteers it's going to take to digitize photos and so on. What kind of opportunities does the society have for members of the public to volunteer? There's a lot of really exciting things going on at the museum, whether it be with research we're doing or exhibits that we want to put together or scanning that we want to have done. Really, there is an opportunity for anybody to find something that's interesting or interests them as they come in and get involved with us. We don't like to say, you know, this is our project, come in and conform to it. We would really like people to be able to come in and spend part of their time helping us on projects that we need help with, but also find something that's really interesting to them and be able to work on that in a way that benefits the museum or the community. 
So what we say is that we will take anybody with an interest in, in their local history and we will find something that interests you for you to do. Yeah, that is And I would take that even farther from the programming standpoint. I know that I've worked over the summer with a couple of gals who are great. They're high school gals, and I won't say their names on air because I didn't ask them. But they are amazing at helping me with youth programs and getting out craft supplies and coming up with ideas on how to make things work with children. So you don't even have to be into like serious research history. You just have to enjoy some aspect of the museum world. And there are so many different aspects that a lot of people don't even know exist, whether that be working on marketing skills or website design or programs, or even for a while, I know we had one lady who just really enjoyed housework. It was just her thing. She liked it and she didn't have enough of it to do at her house. So she'd come in and vacuum for us just because she enjoyed that. So there's always something, no matter your interests, that you can do in a museum environment. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I hope they take advantage of that. The kids today, you know, they don't have as much anxiety as older folks. And uh, they can really help out with videos, taking videos and doing all sorts of things. Now, do you partner with any groups like 4-H or Future Farmers or Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, any of that? We've had some groups come in, some different people that have come in and been interested in helping Lindsay out with programming. And we have, in limited capacities, partnered with different groups for specific projects or specific events. We don't have an ongoing partnership with them at this time, but it's something that we're working on. Okay, fantastic. What kinds of interesting books has your society published or what kinds of interesting books do you have for sale? Well, we have a number of books for sale, but probably my favorite thing personally that we sell is actually not a book. It's a CD and it has all of the maps on it, our county atlas maps from, I believe it's 1879. And I think that's just fascinating because you can get on there and zoom in and see who owned what property in what, not just your county, but what your township number and your range and watch and see who has a house and who doesn't have a house yet. And it's just a fascinating visual way of disseminating information. Very cool. So I really enjoy that. Our Osage City Directory is probably our, my other favorite thing. For those who might not know what a city directory is, it's like the forerunner of the telephone book. Before people had telephones, you still had an address and you still had businesses and you could look those things up in the Osage City Directory and find out, I'll just make something up here, that Mrs. McGillicuddy ran a hat shop over in Quinimo. And again, I just made it up off the top of my head there. But that's what you can find out in your Osage City Directory, except of course, for the Osage City one, it would be running a hat shop in the Osage City but you can find all of those things right in the directory. So for those who are interested in finding out a snapshot of 1887. Very cool. That's, that's an amazing thing. I'm sorry to interrupt Sarah and Lindsay, but it's time for a break for a few minutes. We'll pause here and pick up where we left off when we return. Listeners, we'll be right back after these words. You're listening to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe, the program where there's always something new.
please join the Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center and support their efforts to bring history to life for you and your family. Visit their website at osagechs.org and learn more about this valuable local nonprofit organization. Come for a visit to your beautiful museum at 631 Topeka Avenue in Linden, Kansas. Be sure to donate, join, and become a member today. You'll be glad you did. I'd like to talk about volunteering, especially as a way to help your growing family. As we all know, there are a million things to accomplish and only 24 hours a day to do so. Many people have no idea how to find time to commit to their local museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society. But it's a valuable investment in the community and your family on many levels and something that you'll need to make work to realize the benefits. Why does it matter to you personally to get involved in your community? Well, if you're a business leader, it's important to keep your finger on the pulse of the local business community. By doing so, you not only do your part to support local causes, but also stay aware of opportunities to grow your company. While there are a variety of ways to accomplish this, including social media, newspapers, television, social circles and networking, there is no better way than to build relationships by engaging yourself in these valuable organizations within the community. However, if you're raising a family and seeking to train your kids in the life lesson, quote, to do well for your community by doing good, unquote, then it's imperative to immerse yourself and your family in helping the community and having fun while doing so. Maybe you've wondered, how can I volunteer in my community, but still have a lot of fun? If so, being a volunteer at a museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society could be for you. You'll find great opportunities to work with children in order to pass on knowledge and history. Not only do you get to teach the next generation of kids some valuable life skills and information, but you also get to enjoy the activities while teaching them. Volunteers typically help guide visitors, answer questions, answer phones, perform research, help file, work with children, and a huge number of other things that keep the society running smoothly. You also get to attend the events and learn more about your community so that you can pass this on to your family and friends. Your family will get a sense of belonging, a sense of place. For those who say they don't have time to volunteer, time is secondary. People with a family and other obligations can generally give just a few hours a week. You don't have to volunteer for hours and hours of time. You can start by micro-volunteering, with a shift between one to two hours. These societies host a variety of fun activities to bring members and non-members together. These organizations are non-profit organizations, meaning that they have very few staff members on the payroll and rely on volunteers to assist with the rest of their activities. There are always things to do, and if you strike up a conversation with any of them, they'll be happy to help you find something that you will love doing and that helps your family and community. It's an exalted feeling to volunteer your talent, plus the people you spend your time with and the experiences you gain are invaluable. There are literally thousands of people from all walks of life who volunteer their time, energy and resources to museums, cultural, historical and genealogical societies all across the country. If you enjoy books and quiet, the research library is the perfect place for you to volunteer. You will get to organize books and perform research tasks to help others document their lineage. You can be involved in digitizing records and photographs. You can enter records into a database or help the curator. These societies can offer many different activities for you to engage and help by doing something you love. 
Museums, cultural, historical, and genealogical societies generally work closely with community members, schools, and businesses. They often host events and fundraisers to bring information to the public and improve the success of the area. You can help improve your community by giving back to these organizations that make your community a better place to live. One of the most beneficial and perhaps underrated perks of starting your volunteer journey is the example it sets for those around you. Within your circle, volunteering is phenomenal for the wellness of your community, as you're demonstrating that helping is a core value. From your family members and friends to anyone else in your circle, your efforts to make the time and commit to your community won't go unnoticed. They will set a positive tone in your circle and instill a sense of direction throughout their lives because they will be at the heart of the community. Please consider volunteering with your family today. You'll be glad you did. This is Kirk Dillon, a friend of Sean Radcliffe's. Preservation Oaks brings you unbeatable information about museums, cultural, heritage, historical, and genealogical societies across the United States. It is a most enjoyable program that enables the public to look under the covers, as it were, and to feel completely comfortable with their decision to donate, join, volunteer with and support their organization of choice. I strongly encourage you all to give three cheers to the unsung heroes that are our nation's preservation oaks, for the hard work they do at your local society. It's very important work that really must be done properly, with everyone in the community helping as much as possible. Please follow, like, and listen to each episode of Preservation Oaks, but much more importantly, do please join, donate, and volunteer at one or more of your local societies. Thank you very much. This is Debbie Burgess, president of the Onega Historical Society, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. This is Cynthia Rockney Wilson with the Douglas County Historical Society, and I love listening to Sean Thomas Radcliffe on MicroStream Radio. This is Ben Twilliger, the executive director of the Eudora Area Historical Society and Museum located in Eudora, Kansas. I had a lot of fun as a guest on Preservation Oaks. Nine out of 10 curators agree, Preservation Oaks is the best podcast on the internet. If you're a historical or genealogical society listening to Preservation Oaks and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please email preservationoaks at gmail.com. Again, that's preservationoaks at gmail.com. Listeners, thank you for listening. You can comment anytime about the show or send suggestions by emailing preservationoaks at gmail.com. Thank you. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Sarah Price Anderson and Lindsay Flory from the Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center located in Linden, Kansas. Welcome back, Sarah and Lindsay. Thank you. Glad Thank to you. be back. I want to pick up here. So what kinds of things are available to do on your website? Well, people who go up on our website will see different tabs where they can either decide that they're interested in programming and head on over to my section or they can decide that they're interested in researching and they can head on over to that section, or they can decide they're really into just us in general and they can hop on and fill out an online form and join or send in a membership 
buy snail mail too, which is still quite popular. Fantastic. Can I donate directly to the society from the website? We do have a PayPal link on our society's website. Our most, the easiest way to donate is to send an old fashioned check. But yes, we do have PayPal as well. Okay. And let me give the contact information real quick again. On the web, you can find the society at osagechs.org. You can find them on Facebook at OSCOKS History. You can visit the museum at 631 Topeka Avenue, Linden, Kansas, 66451. You can send them mail, send that check to donate to P.O. Box 361, Linden, Kansas, 66451. You can phone them at 785-828-3477. They're located just south of the courthouse. For any kind of genealogical research, you want to email them at researchosagechs at embarkmail.com. Their general email is osagecohistory at gmail.com. And they're open from April 1st through October 31st, Wednesday through Saturday, 1 to 5 p.m. or by appointment. Something else I would like to add that I found was a really interesting way to maximize your donation capabilities for those who are still working outside the home for pay. A lot of companies use a site called Benevity. A, a lot of the larger companies do. And if you work for one of those larger companies that uses Benevity, many times your company will match your donation. For example, we have someone who works for the energy company Evergy who donates $12.5, oh, about every paycheck. And it's tax deductible. So he gets that as a tax write-off and then his company matches it. So we end up with a $25 donation from him just about every paycheck. So as we're heading towards the end of the year and you're thinking, man, tax season's coming up. If you're still working, you might check to see if your company does a match service like that because it's fairly easy to set up through Benevity from what I understand. Even if you're not still working, you can also start thinking, man, it's the end of the year. Where could I get a a quick tax write-off that would help me out? We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we can help you out with that as well. So these deductions or these donations are tax deductible. I want to give you an opportunity. We've talked about a number of different things that you guys are working on, that your current initiatives are. I want to give you one more opportunity now that we've had a chat for a while to think about the needs of the society that you want people in your area to know about and support right now, kind of a key you know, this is what we need right now. What would that be? Well, coming up, we do have some repairs that we need to do to the building. That's going to take some significant funds. So if anyone's interested in helping out with that, we'd love to talk to you. We are always looking for people that want to partner with us on the creation or bringing of a program for children or adults to somewhere in the community. So if you have an after-school program, or you have a homeschool group, or you have a school group, and you're considering doing an educational or hands-on historical program, we want to be part of that. We want to be there for you. And if someone says, you know, hey, I have an extra $25 or $50 this month, I want to send it to the society, and I want to help them bring this historical programming to the school children of our county, we would love that. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you very much. 
What are your thoughts about how best to keep history and community support flourishing for the current generation K through 12? They have to be engaged. And honestly, K through 12 is the place to be, especially the younger, the better. It's often like when you have little children, I don't know how many of our listeners today are parents, but if you are, if you can remember to when your child was about five years old and they wanted to help you with everything. Hey, daddy, what can I do? Hey, daddy, can I help you do this? And you wanted to kick them out. And then they turn out to be 15, 20 years old and they don't want to do it anymore. That's why we want to get the little ones. Because if they're coming in here, just like I had a group in just yesterday who were so thrilled at not just the fact that they got to have a field trip day, but because they were here looking at things from very long ago and touching things when we were making our trunk exhibit work for us, they're engaged. They're connecting, not just with the past, but with each other and in a way with the future. So if you get them when they're little and you get them in a way that makes sense to them doing what they want to do, that's how it flourishes in the future. You're helping their well-being as a youth, which then gets into their heads so that they want to help their well-being as adults too. That's and I will say it really helps to have people in your corner like Lindsay. I like to tell people that Miss Lindsay is magic because I'll, I'll tell you from a personal parental standpoint, I have a 10-year-old little boy. And I don't know how many of your listeners also have a 10-year-old little boy. But what he's interested in is hours upon hours of nauseating people on YouTube. That is his main interest. But for over an hour, Miss Lindsay had him captivated by putting together a corn husk doll. And I never in a million years would have thought that my son would be interested in something like that. But not only was he interested, he was actively participating and actively engaged, as were the entire group of children she was working with that day. So Little if, you can, if you can get a person who cares about what they're talking about and cares about their audience the way Lindsay does, hold on to them. Yep. Little children love getting away from screens and Sarah and Sean, it helps a lot if you call them corn husk action figures. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. So I want to give you a chance to reflect just a bit, Sarah and Lindsay. Why is your society important to the community? What makes your society different or unique from others? I'm going to say that it's, it's two. One, it's the sheer volume of research and artifacts and archival documents that we have collected and preserved. I, I would hold our collection up to any society of our size and a lot of them that are much larger. We have done such an amazing job of putting that collection together and not just preserving those documents, but using them to right. build histories of, this, of these communities. Another one I would say is we have excellent partners. We cannot do what we do without the other historical groups in this county, without the amazing Schuyler Museum in Burlingame, without the Overbrook Historical Society, just to name a couple. We can't have really cool schoolhouse programs without the Arvonia Preservation Society. We are so lucky to have 
so many different groups in this county that care about the history and preservation of, of Osage County stories that are willing to not only come together and help each other, but support each other in programming and getting people interested and getting people engaged on a continuous basis. I would say that that's probably the single largest benefit of joining the society is that you are able to connect. Even if you live in Timbuktu, when you get your hedge post, you are able to connect with what's going on back in Osage County and with other people who are interested, not in the past as some dusty, dirty old thing, but as a real way to build community in the present and future. Now, another benefit of membership as we're going on that way that's you know, a smaller one, but still worth noting, is that that $10 that you're spending doesn't just get you the hedge post and it doesn't just get you the really invaluable way of connecting with others around the county and around the country, but it also gets you an hour of free research from one of our researchers, which is pretty incredible in its own right. Because other than that, that's pretty much the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that you can't get for free here. We do charge small fees for research for people just because we have to charge for our time. But they are very, very reasonable compared with what others charge around the country. And our museum is absolutely free for as long as this school year lasts. All of our school programs and youth programming is free. We really do want to be an asset and resource to help the communities around us. That is fantastic. That's a great benefit, too, of joining the society is I get a whole free hour of research. So you have a lot of, of different means of people contacting you. What's the one way for people to connect with someone at the society if they have questions? The best way to connect with us really is email, especially in the off season. Because people are here, but we're not all here at exactly the same time every day. So instead of saying we're open to the public during open hours, so call then, it's much easier to shoot us an email. If it's a research-specific question, send it to the research email. If it's anything else, you can send it to the programming email. That's our general email address. Okay, thank you for that. The research email is researchosagechs at embark, E-M-B-A-R-Q mail.com. The general email or programming email is osagecohistory at gmail.com. Sarah, Lindsay, is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? I think overall, I would just like to say that Osage County is a really special place to live and, and be. And we have a really interesting history of attracting people of all different ethnicities and backgrounds and just how well they've been able to blend over the years. Our lead researcher, Eileen, likes to call Osage County a, a little melting pot. And really, that's a pretty accurate description. We really have been from the beginning, from the you know 22 different ethnicities that were in the county during the, the mining days, to even today, we're, we're technically in the northeastern part of the state, but we really are in the middle of several major city hubs in, in Kansas, and we have close proximity to a couple of other states. So the people living here are a really interesting combination of families that have been here for generation and newer families that have come here looking for that small town feel. A lot of people in our county work in other counties or states, but they choose to come back and live here. You know, we've got people from 
every walk of life, political affiliation, belief system you can think of, but every one of them is welcome and enjoys being here. I mean, I'll tell you, in Osage County, we may have a bunch of little towns, but when we're buying candy for a Christmas parade in one of them, we we better factor in that the rest of the county is going to be there too. It's just <laughs> that kind of a feel. It's the reason that I brought my kids back to the county to grow up, and it's a reason that a lot of other people are here too. And our history is just full of those kinds of stories of people coming and staying for generation after generation after generation, or new families that have chosen to come here from other places because it's really a special place to be. All right. Thank you for that. Very much appreciated. You guys are eminently qualified to do the work you're doing. You're doing fantastic work. I really, really respect the fact that you've got the history background, the education in museums. The county is very lucky to have you. Thank you, Sarah Price Anderson and Lindsay Flory, for spending time with us today, for chatting with us. I've learned a lot, had a great time. I'm really glad to meet you. You do such great work in the county. It's exciting and it's eye-opening how much you and your society do to help the community and your members. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. And with that, we'll end our time with our guests, Sarah Price Anderson and Lindsay Flory. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap up, which is coming up next. Welcome back. You know, chatting with Sarah Price Anderson and Lindsay Flory was such a pleasure. I'm so glad they took the time to be our guest. I really enjoyed our time together and it's very much appreciated. We learned so much about Osage County, the communities the society serves, their excellent community support, and the positive and impactful activities the society is undertaking in the county to help everybody and improve the quality of life for the residents. Sarah and Lindsay are well-spoken communicators, dedicated, educated, knowledgeable, and filled with determination and professionalism to grow and expand the Osage County Historical Society and Hawley Genealogical Research Center. The most pressing priority of the Osage County Historical Society and Hawley Genealogical Research Center at this time are, number one, the society's building needs repairs, and a new roof. So connect with the society if you can help. They're looking to build a bigger pool of volunteers. So please connect with the society and volunteer. They're seeking volunteers who can help with oral interview projects and partnering with what I think is, they said is Honor Flights, the Honor Flights organization. They're seeking partners to sponsor and help with the creation of programs for children or adults. They're seeking speakers who can provide historic, genealogical, and educational information to the public. This quote from Sarah, We are thriving and growing as a society at a time when so many organizations like us are ceasing to exist. We are unique because we are not just the Osage Historical Society, the only game in town kind of thing. We are a partner with all the other groups and organizations across the county. 
What I got from our time together was that the organizations, groups, and societies in Osage County are a family with similar interests and objectives for the county residents. After spending some time with Sarah and Lindsay, I speak somewhat reverentially when I say that the people of Osage County have a wonderful Osage County Historical Society. They're doing the essential work to preserve the history of the county and to reach the people of the county in order to make them aware of their history, which will guide them into their future. Sarah is in a new role in the society as the president. She and her team deserve the community's support by joining the society, volunteering, donating, and helping to get things done in collaboration with the other groups and organizations across the county. At the risk of incurring the ire of some members of the board, I'm going to say something about the pens. You might think about making the collection of pens a rotating display in the museum. The full collection should be archived to free up space, and then a subset of the collection can be displayed in sets of interest to the public and related to Osage County. Right now, citizens of Osage County have a unique opportunity to help nurture the society by volunteering and donating. Volunteers are needed in the research library to help digitize photographs, catalog materials, and perform research. This will help to increase the volume and depth of the information available to family researchers. Even more volunteers are needed to help with building maintenance. Cleaners, washers, electricians, carpenters, plumbers, and tradespeople of all kinds are needed. In addition, the society needs great people who can organize and attend social gatherings and programs for the society and to attract and market across the county. People are needed to help organize exhibits in the museum and for the traveling trunks. Website designers can help. Artists can help. Teachers can help. People who love taking videos and conducting interviews can help. Students in high school and college can help. People who want their family to be engaged more at the heart of the community should connect with the society. There's an opportunity for anyone wanting to help. Anyone hearing this podcast who has an affiliation with Osage County, Kansas, can clearly see from the work being done by the Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center that they can feel good about supporting this very deserving community-centric society. So please join at the very modest price of $10 a year, then donate, donate, donate to the society, and by all means, volunteer and help. Thank you. The contact information for the society, on the web, they're at osagechs.org. On Facebook, you'll find them at OSCOKS History. You can visit them at 631 Topeka Avenue, Linden, Kansas, 66451. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 361, Linden, Kansas, 66451. You can phone them at 785-828-3477. They're located just south of the courthouse in Linden. Their research email, if you want genealogical research help, is research Osage CHS at embarkmail.com. The general email is osagehistory at gmail.com. Their seasonal hours, they're open to the public from April 1st through October 31st, Wednesday through Saturday, 1 to 5 p.m. or by appointment. So this is the off season. 
And the best way to get a hold of them during the off season is via their general email, osagecohistory at gmail.com. All right, there were a thousand questions I could have asked during our time together, but I didn't in the interest of time. If questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information provided. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves, or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the community the Society serves, and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting the Society. I really hope this information helps the audience to understand how valuable the society is to the community and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer to their members and the public. The Osage County Historical Society and Holly Genealogical Research Center is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, Akash Gandhi, Relaxation, Sonic, from sonic.com, that's S-O-N-N-I-K.com, Martin Shellikins, and Symbolbird. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. You can visit at www.microstreamradio.com. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks to everybody for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. We'll see you all next time on Preservation Oaks.